As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? Yeah! Yeah! Dude, what's up? I'm ready. I don't even know what we're doing, but let's do it. What else with Corey Mann? On the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Patrick Mayberry, question number one. Yes. Are you taking applications for new friends? And if so, where do I send it? Because I feel like you and I should be friends. Yeah. My address, um, I will send that to you right after this. And I, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm actually, we just opened doing open enrollment right now for a new, new batch of friends. And, uh, I'm in, yeah, we've, we've, we've known each other not long, but it feels like We've done some time together. Feels like we've had some we've had some seasons. Three references. Three is that okay? Yes, three references. Preferably no no family members of your own. As I'm looking at Patrick on a Zoom call, you are, in my opinion, the perfect mix of a young, handsome Dane Cook slash Ooh. young, handsome Bruce Willis, and a hint, a hint of Jason Statham. I'll take it. I mean, Bruce Willis, I feel like he's one of the top action heroes of our day. I would put him under Stallone and Schwarzenegger, but he's up there. And I would put him below Jean-Claude Van Damme, but he's top five. You'd put him below Van Damme? I would because Van Damme, I mean, that's my list. It's probably Stallone, Schwarzenegger are very close to number one. It depends on the day. Uh, it depends on the movie. 
And then I'm probably going to go number two. For me, it's Van Damme. Wow. Wow. I know. I know. I know. But Bloodsport has a a special place in my heart. (laughs) I love that movie. There is something I did not know I would hear on this podcast today. Bloodsport has a special place in my heart. Amen. Amen. It's those it's those flying jump kicks that get me. You and I are going to Cookville, Tennessee for the day, home of the birthplace of Mac Brown, head coach of the Tar Heels and the Longhorns, Jake yeah. Hoot, season 17 yes. winner of The Voice, and one Patrick Mayberry. What are yes. we doing on our escapade to Cookville? <laughs> I love that. What a great question. Well, we'll probably go by my parents' house. The guy introduced you to the family. I'll show you my old bedroom, which is now turned into like a guest bedroom that has no remnants of me whatsoever. My my parents wiped me out of the house. We'll go by there. I'll take you to the best Mexican restaurant in Tennessee called El Tapatio. We're going to eat there. We're going to have some cheese dip. And then, oh man, we'll probably, I mean... I don't know, probably go see some waterfalls or something. The Visitors Bureau website, their tagline is find your inner bear. What? Yeah. It's like (laughs) in giant capital letters, find your inner bear. So you, I have no idea what that means. I've never heard that in my whole life. I've never heard anyone ever say that. Like, even if you lived in Colorado, I've never heard anyone say that. I don't know where that comes from. Not a clue what that means. Who's mom and dad? Tell me about them. Oh, man. Old Ronnie and Margaret Mayberry. My dad, Captain Ron, uh, they're awesome. My parents, they, they've been married for, oh, man. I mean, they've been married since, I believe they got married in, oh, I'm not going to be a good guesser. I think they got married in the early 70s. So they've been married for a hot minute and uh, they're great. They, they live in sweet Cookville, Tennessee. They've got a dog named Coco. Who's a real trip. Uh, My dad's really into landscaping his backyard right now. He just did a big, a big project in his backyard, which is hilarious. They're both retired, kind of living their best lives, you know, just hanging out with friends, traveling. They were, hard workers. Uh, they raised me and my older brother, who's two years older than me. And no one in my family is musical. I always get that question. They're like, okay, where'd you get your, your musical love for? And I'm the good Lord gave it to me. My heavenly father gave it to me. So yeah, that's them. Go see them. They're there. They're there in Cookville. Give Ronnie and Margaret a grade on grandparenting. How are they doing? What's the grade? Oh man, they're doing great. They're crushing it. I'm going to give them an A. I'm not giving them an A plus because I don't want them to get too cocky. I don't want them to, to turn it back any. I want them to, you know, keep, keep Room the forward press going. Room to grow. Yeah, you've got to have that.
What happened to you that made you decide that you want to write and sing about Jesus? All right. Buckle up, buddy. This is going to be, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm working on giving the elevator pitch of this story because it's very, it's a formative story. So I grew up in Cookville, Tennessee. I grew up in a church that did not welcome musical instruments into the church. It was just their thinking was musical instruments were not a thing that we use to worship God. And if you use them, it's not good. It's not good for business. So I kind of grew up in a small town church. Fast forward to middle school, got my first Jimi Hendrix CD and my first Grateful Dead CD and was just hooked. Fell in love with music, fell in love with guitar. Who pointed you towards them? I don't know. I mean, I kind of grew up on classic rock. My dad's a diehard Jimmy Buffett fan. uh, So I have a deep love for Jimmy Buffett as well. But I don't know. I mean, those were just kind of the epitome of like late, late sixties, early seventies rock and just fell in love with it. And all through middle school and high school, I just went deep down the classic rock hippie jam band hole. And I didn't know anything of Christian music because it was, I was never exposed to it. And then kind of growing up in the church I grew up in, I was so deep in love with music and they were so anti-music that I was like, well, forget that. I'm out of here. Like, I don't have much use or interest for church. So I got really involved with a ministry in high school called Young Life. Actually, is probably where I first heard the gospel presented in a way that really connected with me. And and I was like, wait, you're telling me like Jesus did that for me? And really started to like kind of have my eyes open to who Jesus actually was and kind of started going on a faith journey at the end of high school, still very much in love with rock and roll music, played in a lot of bands. I'm going to need to know the band's names, please. Particularly the first one. All right. So, gosh, this is, is this embarrassing? The very first band we were called, this is so cheesy. I'm just going to go. We're just going to do it. Okay. So the very first band's name, it was Rained Out. And it was straight up because our very first show we were going to play got rained out. And we were like, well, guys, we're going with it. We're sticking with it. So then, okay, so you have to understand where I'm going next with this. I was in the the heat of the jam band world. So we're talking about the Grateful Dead, Fish, Widespread Panic, the String Cheese Incident. Do you throw Dave Matthews in there? Okay, so that's, that's a common question. So Dave Matthews is like the gateway to the real jam bands. Okay. Okay. They're, they're like the the college fraternity guys. They're the party band, but then you want to get down into the rabbit hole, you got to go a little further than than Dave Matthews. But but I mean, yeah, I was I I would say I started playing guitar because I love the way Dave Matthews played guitar. So okay. So the hottest band at Cookville High School in 2002, 2003, fronted by yours truly, known for our 10 to 15 minute improvisational jams, Little Sarah's Orchestra. I'm just going to leave that there for a minute. Let's just sit in that. S-A-R-A or A-H? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to look it up. I was probably wearing patchwork shorts and had a huge hemp necklace on and, and reeked of patchouli. Please stick around to the end of the episode for a very, very special surprise. I hated college. Where'd you go? 
Tennessee Tech University, and regardless of the university, I think I went in super confused. Like all I wanted to do was music, but I just didn't know how it was going to work, or I didn't. I honestly didn't know what my purpose was, and so I remember kind of stepping into college, thinking whatever I choose to do for the next four years will define the rest of my life. You know, it's funny now being, you know, almost 15 years out of that, I wish someone had said, Hey dude, just pick something and do it. Like you can change your life. Like as many times as you want, like this doesn't determine your life. I I just felt trapped and I felt like I wanted to do music, but I didn't know how it was going to work. And, you know, I was just kind of really cracking kind of a new layer of faith and really learning more about Jesus and the gospel. So I started playing guitar at a college ministry, a local college ministry in my hometown. And it was straight up an excuse to play guitar. I'm like, yeah, I'll come and just shred. And I didn't know anything about the music they were playing. I didn't know who wrote it. I was like kind of the worst volunteer too, because I would just show up and just play whatever I wanted. And then fast forward, I'd always been a singer in my bands. And the guy who led the ministry was like, hey, this next semester, I think you should start leading. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, well, I'm going to take you to a conference and I'm going to, I'm going to show you what that means. I'm just this college kid. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's get in the car. So me and my buddy got in a car and we drove down to Atlanta, Georgia, a good four hour road trip down to the passion conference. This was like, Oh six about to be Oh seven. I was there. Yeah, you were. It's so funny sharing this story because I would be curious to hear your, your thoughts on that, that, I've heard from so many people that that was such a formative year for them, but I went and it blew my mind. It was my first time to ever experience corporate worship on that scale or really just ever. And I remember standing there, it was maybe like night three. And I remember feeling like the Lord was like, Hey dude, if you want to do the grateful dead jam band thing, go for it. But another option could be, what if you used this gift that I gave you of music and what if you helped like build my church? And I was like hooked and I was like, I'm in. And so I just dove in and it was so fun because I literally didn't know anything about anything. I actually left that conference, bought my first ever Christian album. The day I got back to Cookville, went to Cornerstone Christian Bookstore and paid $17.99. I remember the orange sticker for Chris Tomlin's See the Morning. And I'd like to say that Jimi Hendrix and the Grateful Dead changed my life. But as, as cheeseball as this might sound, that record was hands down the most influential record of my life. Someday I'll tell Chris Tomlin that when I, when I meet him, when we're hanging out, you know. I was like, who wrote these? Where did these come from? How did they get the drums to sound like these? Who played drums? Who produced it? And it was just like a whole new world was open to me. And from there on out, I was obsessed with, I'd always been a guy who loved writing my own songs. I'd gotten involved in this college ministry and I was like, well, shoot, let's start writing songs for our college ministry. Like, let's write songs that are ours, that we believe in, that are for us, that are for what we're walking through. And I mean, that was it. That was that was my moment. And, you know, I still feel kind of new to the game and still feel like I'm constantly learning. Like, 
about worship and how to lead worship and how to be hospitable in a room of people. And, you know, really, even when I write songs, I want to write songs that are really hospitable, that welcome people from wherever they are, wherever they're coming from, whether they've been walking with Jesus for 30 years and they've, you know, they're really comfortable in church or it's their first time there. And they're, they're like, man, I don't know if I should be here or not. I don't, I don't know if I fit in here or if they like me here. And it's been a really fun journey. It's been really fun, like meeting some people that I've really looked up to that, that I've like, man, I used to, it's funny. I've got to meet a couple of people and say, Hey, just so you know, I used to watch you and I would watch where you put your capo on your guitar and I would put my capo there too. So it's just been fun, man. I still do that to the few artists I interact with. Some of their albums were so crucial in my faith journey that I told myself, I'm going to say it to them every time I see them. Hey, that record helped change my life. And yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I believe in honoring people and you had a season in Chicago, what I would consider one of the greatest cities in America. I live uh, 87 miles to the east. I'm curious in your time in Chicago, did any of it stick? You a Cubs fan, a Sox fan, a Bears fan, a Bulls fan, or are you, is there something wrong with you and you've moved? Oh, buddy. I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to disappoint. I am the least professional sports fan you'll probably ever meet. It's a sad thing because our time in Chicago, I mean, you're right. It is a sports town. We went to a Cubs game. Well, I went to a few Cubs games. Never made it to a Bears game. It's too cold. Never made it to a Hawks game. But this is the coolest slash the greatest detriment to all sport. Anybody who's a sports fan, they hate this story. So I got to be friends with the head coach of the Bulls for a while. He started coming to our church. And we lived right across the street from the United Center, which was super cool because the parking lot we lived right beside was where all the tour trucks would park when the shows would come in. And so I would love waking up and then early morning because the trucks would come in in the middle of the night. I would love waking up and seeing how many trucks were out there. And I would judge a tour by the size of like how many trucks. So hands down, Elton John had like 36 trucks. It was insane. I think Cher had maybe 30 but then, you know, some of these like younger pop artists would come through with like six trucks. I'm like, you're nobody. Get out of here. You're I nobody. love but that I know exactly where you live now that you said that because I've been there so many times. I know exactly where you're talking about. Yes. So but getting to be friends with the Bulls coach, I think he probably loved that I knew nothing about sports and he knew that I had younger kids and he was like, hey, anytime you want to come to a game or you want to come to a practice, just text me, bring your boys over. You just come hang out. So I definitely sat in the second row, like as a guest of the coach several times at the bulls. Uh, my family went a few times. It, it was so cool. And, and it's like, I don't think I knew the weight of it. It was funny. I'd make a joke. We'd get to our seats. I'd be like, okay, so is Michael Jordan, will he be here tonight? Is he still playing? I know Dennis Rodman was with the team for a while. He's still here, right? But it was it was super fun uh, to get to go kind of experience that a little bit. But yeah, I'm I'm the worst sports fan ever. I mean, <laughs> when it, when anybody asks me being in Tennessee, my joke is like, you know, 
like how's Chris Johnson doing with the Titans? Is he still like running a lot? Or is Eddie George, how's he doing? Is he still is he having a good season? And those guys played like twenty years ago. I bet you know where to eat though in that town. I bet you know where to have a great meal. Oh, buddy, that's the one thing about Chicago is how easily, readily available delivery food is that is unbelievable that you can just order and it'll be at your house in 30 minutes. I mean, the best Thai, the best sushi, pizza, obviously. I mean... What's your go-to pizza in Chicago? Well, I want to hear yours, buddy. Lou Malnati's. Lou's is my pick. Lou Malnati's is the best pizza in Chicago. And oddly enough, we kind of got to know their family a little bit and they're just amazing. They love Chicago and they are doing things in the city for the city, for people in the city and just their mission with their restaurants is really beautiful. And, and they have great pizza and the service is awesome. And Lou Malnati's all the way. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not eaten at Lou Malnati's, treat yourself, my friends. You're going to go with the deep dish butter crust pepperoni. That's my that's my play right there. A lot of people love the sausage. For the veggie people out there, you got to go with the Lou. But I'm a deep dish butter crust pepperoni man. Oh, I love what I'm hearing. I oh, love what wait. I'm hearing. L- let, me, let me add to that. The Malnati salad. I'm not a huge salad guy. Not the house salad. The Malnati salad is hands down the greatest salad I've ever had in my entire life. You could order the family size and eat it all by yourself. The Malnati salad, Malnati salad, Malnati salad. Let me ask you this, and we're gonna we're treading into this friendship application territory. Right. A, do you get up to Soul City still? B, is there a lose near the church? And then C, will be dependent on these two answers. A, yes, I am heavily involved uh, at Soul City Church in the West Loop of Chicago. I was on staff there for almost eight years as the worship pastor, and then God kind of led us through a crazy adventure to move and dive into all things the music community in Franklin, Tennessee, which is an hour and a half from Cookville, hometown. But I go back at least once a month. I still lead there uh, at least once a month, and now what I'm doing is kind of leading a, a more of a writing team uh, of songwriters and working with our team there to write and continue kind of what we've been doing the last eight years, writing songs for our church. And now we've been dreaming of, man, God's doing some really cool ministry within the four walls of this church with our songs. What would it look like to kind of see if other churches might could benefit or, or, you know, relate to some of these songs that are coming out of stories and testimonies from our church. So I'm super involved there. Love that place. Hands down, changed my life being there. So that's A. B, there's a Malnati's within three minutes from Soul City. And buddy, let me just answer C that you haven't even asked yet. You and me, let's go. Let's go. I'll set it up. I know a guy. (laughs) <laughs> that that's what I that's what I learned about Chicago. You got to have a guy. Everybody's got to have a guy. It's like, I got you need a guy. Your car fixed. I got a. You got to. Oh, I got a guy. I got. You a guy. need concert tickets. I got a guy. I got a guy. You need. Yep. So I got a. I got a guy for pizza. Final question. Artwork is so important. It's oh. missing in this day and age. Where back then 
You could oh. stare at a record and go places. I felt like that happened as I stare at two young boys and a horse. Ooh. Yes. And I want to know the story, and I hope there is one, behind your album cover for Joy. Tell me about these two boys and this horse. Oh, buddy. That, that horse's name is Skyrocket. And Skyrocket was me and my brother. That's my brother on there. And that's, that was our valiant steed. And that's at my grandma's house. And that's, uh, we spent so much time there, big farm, a lot of acreage, horses and cows. And so that's my brother on the front and that's me on the back. It's so funny thinking about, I was thinking about that, that whole project and like just the idea of joy. I was, I was probably four or five in that picture didn't know anything about faith or I knew what a five-year-old might've learned in Sunday school, but, you know, talking back to fast forwarding kind of my disinterest in church and falling in love with, with music and then feeling like God kind of used that to lead me into getting to know him more and, you know, going to that passion conference and being exposed to worship. I, I saw that picture as like, even though I didn't know God was at work in my life all that time, God was totally at work in my life. And I think that's so true for all of us of like wherever we are, whether we think we're walking with God or not, whether we were walking with God, we knew who Jesus was. I think God is, I heard a quote one time that God is always working in the shadows to bring light to the darkness. Like even when we don't know it, God's at work. And so that, that picture kind of summed all that up for me of like that, that little EP I put out was such a, a stake in the ground for me of like, no, I'm going to start doing this. I believe that God wants to do some things in me as an artist. So I'm going to start putting some songs out as an artist, trusting that God actually put something in me that might resonate with someone else in the world. And so it's a super long explanation for what that picture means. But that picture was just like the epitome of joy. I love those, you know, when I think back to those those times, like riding our riding skyrocket as a young kid, like being totally clueless that God was at work in my life, but he totally was. Um, and that was just kind of a moment that marked kind of leading to kind of what I'm doing today. So really long, heady, philosophical answer to your question. Well, watch how I make but, this full circle, because at the beginning, I said yes. you look like Bruce Willis, and yes. all the way to the end, you're talking about your love of this horse and how God moves, and ironically, one of Bruce Willis's best movie quotes has the phrase yippee Kaye" in it, which <laughs> feels like it's something you would have said on Skyrocket, full circle. So, you know, Corey, I was just going to add to that. Yippee Kaye. <laughs> Dude, for real. Hey, thank you for having me. This was fun. When this, when this got brought up to me, I was like, they were like, do you know Corey Mahan? And I was like, I hung out with him once, but I really, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but I'm like, oh yeah. I literally, I, when I replied, I felt like it was too much for how long we haven't known each other. I'm like, dude, I love that guy. Like, I think we hung around a golf cart and we sat at like at the same table while we ate lunch. Um, <laughs> but dude, you, you just have such a fun, 
uh, dynamic, very magnetic personality. And it actually, I felt like from that day, I was thinking about, you know, who I connected with. I, I really enjoyed connecting with you. I think we just bypassed the application process and became actual friends. Thanks for having me. This has been great. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Leave some feedback. Write a review. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? And now for the podcast listener that stayed till the very end. Get ready for Patrick Mayberry in his high school band, Little Sarah's Orchestra. We finally Struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My Inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com.